Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So this is so I start a revolution from my bed. <laughs> All right, where do we start on this? Because we've we've been trying to sound check this for about the last ten minutes, and my other half is joining me right now. Is doing the pilot with me so that I can explain what this is about, read the questions, and explain. And the sound check has gone marvelously because I, you're not quite getting the idea of a sound check, are you? Because you, you're speaking, and then when the red light goes on, that's when you clam up, and this is where you could speak. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Right, fine. <laughs> yeah, this is going to go well, isn't I'm it? I'm not an award-winning talker like you. All right, yeah. That came back to bite me, didn't it? Because when I did the trailer, and I actually do mention the fact that um, I do bring that up in arguments, ironically, that very day that I recorded that, what I think, was, was it Russell Brand? We mm-hmm. was watching some old episodes of Ponderland, weren't we? Which yeah. if there's some uh, people I'm sure remember that on E4. And what was it he said? He said every time that he's in an argument, he, he can always be self-assured that he's won awards for talking. And you looked directly at me and you mm-hmm. went, and I said to you, oh, there's an extra irony to this. And then you heard the trailer. And sure enough, <laughs> exactly what I said. He stole his line. Yes. So if you don't know me, I've, for the last four years, been producing Stop and Search, which is on Scooby's Pips Distraction Pieces Network. And it's all about drug policy and... Lots of different things, and we won two British Podcast Awards for it. We won um, Best uh, Silver, Best Current Affairs, and Smartest Podcast. So that officially makes me the smartest person around this table. <laughs> I'm getting raised eyebrows. <laughs> raised eyebrows don't come across on a podcast. Just so that's that's lesson number one from from an award winner. Is clapping allowed? Yeah, yeah. Well, clapping is probably going to give Nikki some headaches. Nikki, our award winning producer. I'm more nervous about Nikki hearing this Apparently than so. anybody else who might listen. Yeah, that was one of the first things you said. Is like, is Nikki going to hear this? He's like, yes, he's the producer. <laughs> I'm fairly sure he's going to do that. Right, so anyway, let's, let's explain the premise of this. As you may know, there's some world events going on as we're recording this. There's some weird thing that's trying to destroy us all that isn't coming from the planets. And... Because a lot of people are now experiencing isolation and quarantine, it's really become apparent there's a lot of people that have been struggling with mental health. And, and you know, unsurprisingly so, it's strange times being isolated and cut off from society can be really 
bizarre. We take it for granted to such a degree. And because of my circumstances, I was essentially born unwell. <laughs> I developed it from the age of eight. And from the age of eight, I've been predominantly housebound. So I'd say probably 90% of my life I've been housebound. And yet I still managed to uh, accrue another half, being my partner somehow within that 10% <laughs> window. Um, did you know when you saw me or met me that I had this kind of baggage <laughs> that goes with me of being housebound? No, I'd, I'd heard rumours and I just rumors. thought they wish. <laughs> <laughs> what rumours? Just somebody said, oh, did you know that? Jason's got ME and I thought we can't have looked at him. Yeah, he's normal. <laughs> classic <laughs> classic mistake. Yeah. He doesn't look ill. Um yeah, and then I suppose I'd asked you at some point. Yeah, I can't remember when that came up. But um it, I, sometimes you do feel like a bit of a fraud because you're like, well, I I want to be a, a normal person. <laughs> and I've 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 been rubbish about speaking about you and this. I tend to as you know, I tend to keep it really blocked up. I I try and almost overcompensate didn't I yeah yeah but I have put some things out there in the press I've written articles so I think I've done one for the independent I did one for Virgin United about when Richard Branson put me to sleep um I did uh I, oh, I did Pip's podcast last year for Emmy Awareness so I have projected some stuff out there but it feels really weird like I'm building up to talk about it because you know you're taking a run-up and you don't feel natural when you're doing it because I'm just so rubbish at talking about it and I, I think you've noticed that in you that I get quite apologetic and bumbly with it. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't naturally talk about it like you talk about other things. But I think I think you'd probably find that actually people are quite interested in how it feels, especially anybody who hasn't had a chronic illness. I think people will have questions that they might not feel comfortable asking you outright. But if you volunteer that information, then I think they'd be interested. And that's where the, the isolation comes in because I have been on my own for most of my life. Even with you, like you're the closest person to me. Um, well, now. <laughs> Obviously, I've had uh, you know, my family around me. I've, I've always been close to my family. I've always had a, a good relationship and an interesting relationship with my brother, who's a, a lovely bellend, bless him. Um, yeah, let's not, let's not highlight, I call him that. But he's always been really good at keeping me inclusive in what he's doing in, in his life and that. Like, like even when we, he, he used to invite me out when he was, what, 21? There's four and a half years between us. He'd invite me out to go to the pub with his mates when I was, like, 16. It's like, what, what other person would do that? So I've always had, you know, people around me that have been trying to make sure I'm included in society. Um, but there's no getting around for it that I've got a, a unique experience of isolation. It has most people have with with fluctuating health patterns and disability. So the reason behind this podcast, so I start a resolution from my bed, is that let's talk about how you can have coping mechanisms when you are isolated, housebound. Because I know for a fact there's a lot of other people out there in the disability world that have got some very unique coping mechanisms because there's no hierarchy in suffering. I always say that. If, you, if you're isolated for one day or one year or your entire life, it doesn't matter. The hierarchy isn't there. We're all in the same boat. So what can we do to insert coping mechanisms? And this is where, and again, I have to insert, I'm absolutely no professional. I, I have got, not got training in mental health or anything like that, but I've always done weird things to keep myself 
I think, and you'll possibly be a better, better um, judge of this than me, that I think I've kept sane. Yeah. All right, thanks for your reticence. <laughs> that brief silence spoke <laughs> wonders. Um, yeah, you know, I think to a degree I've got it together. I don't know. Again, questionable. Yeah, not, not infallible. There's still days that I certainly have problems. But as a whole, I've managed to keep myself quite grounded and knowing that there's things you can do within this. So we're going to talk about four different subjects specifically. And I'm going to have various guests on this podcast to talk about these subjects. And they're going to be guests from the comedy world, public figures, uh, disability, all these different areas that I want to kind of bring in and have these discussions. So we're going to talk there. Right, I've got it up in front of me on the iPad, but we've got subcategories. So we've got comfort. We've got looking forward to things and keeping focused. We've got nostalgia and we've got appreciation. And then we've got quick fire. <laughs> Why is that funny? Because I said quick fire. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to. I don't think I've even introduced you actually. This is Probably Sarah. Not. <laughs> Probably not. This Why is break Sarah. a habit of a lifetime? <laughs> Say hello, Sarah. Hi. This is my uh, long suffering other half. Bless her. 15 years. Has it really been 15 years? Mm. That's been. So if I've been housebound for about just over 30 and I've known you for 15, I don't know what information we can garner from that, but I think I deserve some sympathy. <laughs> You Mainly for the 15 and not the, not the 30. <laughs> right, so let's start this then. Right, so I start a revolution for my bed. We're going to talk about comfort first. Something that's really important to me is comfort films, comfort viewing. There's going to be things on the telly that are going to be extremely precious to the person that's, that's viewing them to the point where you... You, you really quite invest and I think I've got more comfort films that I can actually list which you could probably list quite a few of them can you yeah I think um it's not on my list but one of the ones that springs to the mind is the burbs because the burbs has just got a nice feel about it. it it just feels like a nice Sunday warm summer's night to me yeah um so let's start with you what would be your definition of a comfort blanket film I would just like to add that when I met you, you as a musician, I now like music and you like film. So you're far, far more qualified in answering these film questions. Um, however, um, so I like Love Actually. I know it's cliche, but I love the fact all the all the stories intertwine. They're, um, they're, they're, um, they're set in a familiar environment so in London I go to London quite a lot so I recognize a lot of the places um they're relatable characters in some ways um and the soundtrack um because it came out just before you and I met I listened to the soundtrack quite a lot around the time that we met so um it's got really good memories for me however I have a rather strange one <laughs> from hell with Johnny Depp weirdo <laughs> is <laughs> It's a strange comfort film. I don't know if it's because I know how the story ends, so there's like a familiarity there. Again, a lot of the areas that feature in the film are places that you can go to in London. So, you know, it's it's more real, I suppose. Of course, Johnny Depp, you know. What's what's From Hell about? I think that makes quite a difference if people understand. Oh, sorry. Um, so it's about Jack the Ripper. And, and it's a comfort. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. And um, Johnny Depp plays the investigating officer. Um, and it's got a brilliant scene with um, is it Ian Hom that, um, yeah, you have to watch it because that's actually that's a bit spoiler alert. But um, I, I kind of understand well, what don't you mean. Don't say that bit. What? The bit that you was about to say. <laughs> that, that really will spoil it. For Even though, like I said, everyone well, kind of knows is, how it comes Yeah, how, the thing is, Jack the Ripper is it's an unsolved mystery, so there can't be spoiler alerts. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my get out. I, I know what you mean, People though. People die. Yeah, yeah, I think we can all agree that happened. Mm. But the, because when you said this earlier, because we, we, over dinner we went through your list, because apparently I know your list better than what you know your list. Well, no, I just, I, I foresaw arguments about, right. about my answers. <laughs> yeah, because you got, you got wrong answers. <laughs> um, but I know what you mean, because I, I drew up the example of Anonymous, which is about the uh, slightly fictional addressment of William Shakespeare writing. I don't know how you'd kind of term it that film but it's well, yeah it's, it's about how people don't believe that William Shakespeare actually wrote the the works that he wrote um or is, a cred- is credited for and it gives an alternative as as to who might have done it and it it creates a world and I think that's yeah. what that's what um From Hell has done it's really set a scene so you can I think the escapism yeah. is quite abundant and apparent it transports you back to a time in history yeah so it's I, I get what you even though it's a, fundamentally a horror, I can kind of understand where you're coming from with it. And with Love Actually, the fact it's seasonal does that make it because it does go on every Christmas, doesn't it? It helps. Yeah, I have to watch it exactly five weeks before Christmas because that's when it starts. Oh my word! I didn't realise it was that. Yeah. Oh god. Um, you know, it's got it's got some of my favourite actors in it. It's it's written by Richard Curtis. There's not much that he's written that. I haven't loved so yeah and about time I think it's, yeah. that's got to be up there as a bit of a we, although we've not seen it that much it's definitely up there I think well before Love Actually came out Four Weddings was my favourite film yeah I'm not a fan of that one for me Comfort Blanket film this is really difficult because I've got so many I think one of them has to be the original Transformers the movie like the cartoon version because I there was, I think, the last two Christmas nights I've come home and I've just wanted something to zone out in front of and that's been what I put on. And then I think Memphis Bell's got to be up there because when I was about 15 and I was going through a bit of a flare-up, the Memphis Bell served as I used to get up really early at like four in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And that used to go on and I can literally say it word for word. I know the script of the Memphis Bell. <laughs> Quite completely fluently. So I think for familiarity and the point I'm getting at here, that might have to be it, even though I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say it's one of my favourite films. It was the one when you said I I imagine you could you could name them, that was the first one that popped into my head was Memphis Bell because mm. when we first met you said that was your favourite film. But And also within this theme, a comfort box set is important, I think. Before, I mean, before it was called a box set, we would just, in our day would just been a series, um, and zoning out into something that's expansive. A film is, you know, two hours. It can be comforting, but a box set you can really get into and, and zone out into. So, what do you think your comfort box set would be? Um, so, going to the complete extreme, 
of my favourite films being familiar places, you know, places that I'm just an hour away from. Um, I I would say probably Friends. I list I watched it quite a lot um, during my GCSEs. Um, so between each exam, I would watch an episode, and it would be enough to just help me zone out. Um, it would relax me because I was finding it funny, and it took my mind off my my next exam. I got to the point where I was like, well, I'm not going to... If I don't know it now, I'm never going to know it. So I won't revise. I'll watch Friends. I even kept a little book of Friends quotes in my blazer pocket. I'd no, read before exams. <laughs> so, yeah, Friends have, have always been there, I suppose. And I did have the box set, but it was on video. Wow. <laughs> That's dating thing. Yeah. And you've even actually got this as a literal comfort blanket, haven't you? Yeah, I have a Friends blanket. Which um, I managed to find the other week in Tottenham Court Road, and I was so pleased with that. Yep. For me, and again, this is going to be weird. This kind of goes back to what you were saying about From Hell. I think there's one of two. I mean, I've had a lot of box sets. So, like, I, when I was on Hardcore Listing with Kristen Stew, which is one of our Distraction Pieces Network uh, uh, friends family, I did comfort box sets for this very reason, and. On there, I had Red Dwarf, uh, I think. Um, and one of them was Band of Brothers, which is a war series. And again, you would think that a war series wouldn't be particularly relaxing, but I just think it's so well done. And for me, having adversity in front of you and being able to find comfort because your surroundings are fundamentally comfortable compared to what's going on in the screen I find that quite weirdly reassuring and also there's a great line in it as well because there's I don't know if it, if uh, you haven't seen Band of Brothers yet have you? I haven't I was just going to add that you really like the colour green that the box <laughs> oh the Blu-ray box well. is lovely it's really it? pretty apparently we needed our spare room that colour we have we've got metallic green up in the spare room which is lovely but again do you not think it could be that we know the ending? Is there yeah. some kind of comfort in knowing how something ends? I don't know. Maybe. I've never really thought of it that way before. It could be the fact that you know you, you have got the familiarity of knowing that these characters do un- ultimately win against adversity. I don't know. But for me, I, I think it's mainly for me is that you can really appreciate what you've got based on what they didn't have at that time. So when you... If you if you view the actual programs, there's veterans doing the voiceovers and the pieces to the camera at the start, and then you go into the episode. And there's one of the veterans that there's a campaign that happened in Bastogne, uh, which is also probably known as Battle of the Bulge, which most people would know. And it was horrific. It was it, the most horrific circumstances all round, both in terms of the military pressure, but also in terms of the environmental surroundings. It was cold. It was freezing. And he says every time that he looks out the window, he comes back to his wife if it's a cold night and he says to her every night, I'm so glad I'm not in Bastogne. And that line always resonates with me. And I do that myself. If it's a cold night, um, I'm in the comfort of being in nice surroundings and all the comfort aids that I've got, I think of that line. So Band of Brothers definitely has got to be one of the comfort box sets. But at the moment... I think it also it's got to be Detectorists because it's just so nice. <laughs> it's like that Darling Buds and May nice, but funny. Um, so I think 
that might win out at the moment. And and these are always changing for me. I will always have a different comfort thing at periods within my time. And this sets me up for the next one. Set the scene. And this is going to be a bit difficult for you because you, you I kind of co-opt the scene if we're <laughs> relaxing together, which isn't that actually that often, is it? Because no. our times don't marry up. So you set your scene of how you would like to have a big snuggly night in. Okay, so I would have had a really nice long bath, clean pyjamas, um, perhaps like light a candle before I go up and have my bath um, or an incense stick. Um, there'd be lots of cushions. I know that they do your head in during the day, but they're there for a reason. Um, lots of blankets. I've got different textured blankets as well, like heavy blankets, lighter weight blankets. I always have to have a blanket, even if I'm hot. I still have to have a blanket over me. Um, I might read a relaxing magazine. So a couple of the ones that I read at the moment are um, Planet Mindfulness um, or In the Moment because um, they give you give suggestions of how you can be more mindful and relax better. Um, I might YouTube some relaxation music, but I haven't really got any particular, you know, music that I'd listen to. Um, I might do a meditation, perhaps like a guided meditation um from insight timer um but for me it's about hitting all those senses really so i might have something comforting to eat like a nice chocolate bar i've been looking forward to all day um if i'm drinking tea then it's it'd be either earl grey perhaps with some rose in as well um tea palace do some really nice um mixtures um or maybe a glass of wine <laughs> or maybe some cider mm, yeah and you, you, last night, during the, the current events that are going on, you did a guided meditation with Claire Cockle, didn't you? Which you quite I often... did, yeah, yeah. I attend Claire's meditations once a week anyway in person. Um, and obviously not being able to do that at the moment, um, she was offering an online meditation. And it was the first time I'd done that, like with a live meditation before. And that was really good. It was, you know, really relaxing. I was able to zone out more or less instantly, actually, which is really good because I haven't been to a session for a couple of weeks so to be able to meditate that quickly is quite quite a blessing really so would there anything be going on the screen or was it more audio no no definitely audio so you wouldn't be doing comfort films and no no for me a film i can get a little bit stressed out choosing a film yes i know i (laughs) i um i have to know that i'm investing those two hours wisely that i get very disappointed if i've spent two hours watching something i've not enjoyed it so i have to know that i'm going to enjoy something how do you know until you've seen it based on who it's who's who it's got in it who's written it mm-hmm. where the recommendations come from and then obviously i'll read the synopsis what um, about um lighting what would you do for a oh well obviously fairy lights mm-hmm. um my amazing lamp that you bought me for Christmas. <laughs> it's a, a Moroccan, um, what, what are they called? I suppose it'd be like mosaic. Yeah, mosaic, and it's kind of rainbowy in it. Yeah, of. every colour of the rainbow. Because Sarah likes colours and rainbows. Yeah, I like to surround myself with colour. I think that's the other thing as yeah, well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you've got fairy lights going up the staircase, which are in wicker hearts. And if you had your way, the fireplace would be a bit more kind of because I've kind of taken over the fireplace. Yeah. But yeah. we do, at, at each event, 
so Christmas, Easter, Halloween, we do do up the fireplace in different themes and styles, don't we? Yeah, we do. Because it's the focal point of the room. We're kind of, the sofa's angled at it. That tends to be what we're relaxed in front of. Yeah, I I usually do it and then I go to bed <laughs> and you've rearranged it when I come down. It's because I'm looking at it more than you. Mm. But if we had, if we actually had a fire or a log burner, we'd totally use that, wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I miss that. I miss that about my parents' place. It's, it's the the freshness of a proper fire for me setting the scene i've got so many tea light holders it's ridiculous it's embarrassing yeah and as much as because you mentioned the word mindfulness there and as much as this is all about mindfulness i still don't want to use that term because it can be a bit it's a bit overused it can be and it can be a bit cynical and not quite what i'm getting at but and also (laughs) the other thing i want to put a disclaimer on is that as much as I'm not a crystal person, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not, I'm knocking it at all. I've this converted is, you. This is one of those things you do what it takes. I think that's one of the overriding messages here is that this is definitely bespoke. You need to do whatever you need to do. But I have got a lot of crystals. <laughs> I've got how many amethyst tea light holders? Five. Yeah, I think five. And I've got Himalayan salt lamps and tea light holders. A gate. A, yeah, a gate. So I've got loads of that. I've got a star projector, which is awesome because it just goes around the entire room and creates like a cloud effect as well. And also you've got me a Northern Lights lava lamp, which is amazing. Um, So I am such a loser when it comes to setting the scene. The lighting is so important to me. I think that might come from my performing days as well because I was always really interested in the lighting when I was in the band. Um, So, yeah, for me, lighting is crucial. Smells are important, but we're going to have a, an address of, of, of senses in a moment. So I've always got a candle on of some sort. I, I I kind of don't feel like I'm that person of like candles, crystals and mindfulness. But You're a girl. Ultimately, I am. <laughs> I can't believe it. What I've, have I done to you? <laughs> I know. But I've always liked ambience. And that is, that's the point of this, is that if you're... The overriding theme that i'm getting at here is that i've always said to people and and i've said to people since this crisis is going on um don't squander rest so if you've been sitting around the house all day um and then some people might go right i'm just gonna plonk on the sofa flick through the phone flick through a magazine or the channels and with before you know it three hours have passed and you haven't really rested make rest an event set yourself up for it because so like you said get showered, get everything you need to done out, do out of the way, which I always do. I always have to be showered before I rest. Oh, I never do any of those. I, d- I never make it that far. No. Well, I'm, I'm fully aware of that. I, um, I tend to sort of gear myself up and think, right, I'm going to rest, I'm going to rest. And by the time I actually rest, I'm so tense because I'm like, <laughs> right, it's got to be good. It's got to be good quality rest that I'm like, no, now I can't rest. Yeah, so try and avoid that. <laughs> That's a good piece of advice. Don't set yourself up to such a degree that you think you're you're competing in the Olympics for rest. But treat it more as a, as much as, again, I don't want to use the word, but holistic. You know, make sure everything's taken care of so that you can put your hat down, put it on the hat rack and sit down and just shut your mind off. And most people, I think, don't necessarily do that. I think that 
they take rest for granted. And when you have got a chronic illness and you do need to f kind of almost physically shut down your mind and limbs, you have to set yourself up a little bit more. And it's useful to have that information because you can understand that you do need to, to actually participate within rest as opposed to rest happening to you. Mm, yeah, I get that. I, I think the thing is, is I, I fall asleep so easily, as you know. <laughs> I, I go like, from like 60 to no, yeah. if that makes sense. But um, you can make an argument then that potentially you are getting rest by... Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't feel deprived. I don't... It's just some people rest easier than others, I guess. Take after my dad. Right, so we're going to move on to the next phase now, which is looking forward and keeping focused. Right, so next question in this category of looking forward and keeping focused because another aspect that I've always found with, with coping mechanisms is is literally that is remember tomorrow is another day it's it may seem so far off if you're suffering but things can change so I've always managed to keep a, a, a clear sense of purpose of right today might be written off but let's look forward to something else and one of the things that definitely got me through is looking forward to a live event. So if you was to look forward to a live event, would you say you've got one? Um, certainly not one that I would watch on TV. Um, so, for example, you know, not like the cricket season or anything like that. I don't think anyone looks forward to the cricket season. I, I, don't, yeah, but I don't mind watching live cricket. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but for me, I suppose it would have to be Glastonbury. I've only been twice... Um, but the build-up to going is just unbelievable. It it blows my mind that so many people watch it. So, like, while you're there, there's just so many people connected into that, you know, whether they're watching it on TV or listening to acts on the radio. Um, and, like, the weeks beforehand, you know, you're listening to DJs on the radio saying, oh, I'm going to go to Glastonbury. It's, like, it's just such a bond about it. Um, it's an amazing event anyway, um, but that's probably the only thing that happens. Obviously, it's not every year, but it's most years. Um, so that's something I'd look forward to. However, cannot watch it on the TV. It just makes me so sad that I'm not there. Even if I have been there, if I'm watching it back, yeah, it just makes me so sad because it just doesn't, it doesn't even come close to capturing the atmosphere. And your family's kind of replicated it, isn't it? haven't they? Yeah, yeah, we've tried our own little event one year when we couldn't go. Um, we had our own little event in our field um, where we sort of played music, games, there were flags. You know, <laughs> and a marquee. <laughs> yeah, there was alcohol. And actual camping. camping. Yeah. yeah, camping. Um, it was great, you know, it's, we're really privileged to have access to, to such a space and to be able to share that with people close to us. Um, and you know it's it's getting together at that time at the same time every year um, you know in the sunshine and just appreciating living outdoors really for a, well when, when we're at Glastonbury we're there from Wednesday through till Sunday so you know majority of the week I've always liked watching Glastonbury on, on TV because I knew that I'd never be able to do it because it's just with, with the illness that I've got it just doesn't lend itself I'd like to work with Glastonbury to try and figure out a way of, of being it more accessible to people like myself that have got fluctuating illness patterns and don't conform to normal times. There, I think there are ways you could experience it with, with conditions and disabilities like mine, 
but I don't think we problem solved it yet. So I've always enjoyed watching it on TV because I do think you get a sense of atmosphere. Um, but if I was to pick a live event, and this is this is difficult because I do look forward to a lot of them, even though I'm not I'm not a hugely hugely sporting person, but I've always liked the Olympics. I don't like football, but I like watching the World Cup. I do. I'm one of those typical British people that does watch Wimbledon, even though I don't know anything about tennis. But if I was to pick one, you might think it would be WrestleMania, but it's mm. actually Royal Rumble. Oh, okay. Still wrestling. Yeah, related. it's wrestling. Yeah. But I prefer the Royal Rumble over WrestleMania because I just think I won't bore you with the reasons why because you, you don't like wrestling. I won't know what you're talking no, about. But it's just a different kind of event, and I've just always quite liked that one. So the point of that question again is there's stuff out there that you can absorb and be part of even if you're not there and you can keep looking forward to something and I've always found that quite important is keeping focused and looking forward to just events seasonal things and again I like Christmas because it's seasonal and and it's something that just breaks the day up Um, and by the way if you're getting in any ambient noise we've got our gerbils around us and they're not exactly being shy I've just heard the wheel go behind me and we've got one just about to come up the steps to find us. Um, and then the next one, the question I've got here, and I think I know what your answer is going to be to this, um, but bucket list destinations. So if you could go anywhere in the universe, not just the world, where would it be? I'm not really into space travel. I'm quite comfortable just knowing that it's there. I don't need to be there. Um, but probably Pompeii, um, partly because I know that we both agree you know it'd be a really cool place to visit um obviously it's not far from the amalfi coast which looks amazing um but uh, for me pompeii is just a snapshot in that period of history you can't really get much more real than that so you working in the heritage sector obviously you can see sites and you can imagine what they look like in that period of history but to actually see where the people were when it happened is just mind-blowing mm. um so yeah for me i guess pompeii i mine would have changed on this and the point of this question is fantasy is a good thing even though I, are you I, abandoning my pompeii trip <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm totally well i don't know because i think that no is, no go ahead that, i think that's going to be my answer i think that because for what you said it's, it looks so unique the fact that it's a it is a real snapshot and it's been you know almost hermetically sealed in its weird way and I think that that would be fascinating. There's, I've got um, I've got a book with. Can you remember when Charlie Borman and and um, Ewan McGregor went around the world on their bikes? Yeah. A long way round and a long way down. You bought me the book to accompany that. And there's a place in Libya that's a snapshot of, uh, of, of Romans and the architecture. I think that goes around with that. It's one of the best snapshots of Roman um, life that there is. And I've just always been quite fascinated with that as well with with different periods of time and how they live and Pompeii definitely summarizes that but if I was to be a bit if I was to fantasize about going anywhere then as a child it would have been somewhere like America or something like that just or Disney World (laughs) even though I wouldn't want to go to Disney World now um not the Northern Lights I'd probably see that's where I was going to abandon if you if you if you ducked out of our Pompeii trip I was going to say fine I'll go to the Northern Lights then yeah it's got to be one of those all right we'll do both and and like I said, the reason for that question is because most people can have fantasy and and potentially do something about it. And other people, we may just be the realms of fantasy. But I've always personally found that to be beneficial 
to really think, oh no, what would it be like and explore it and, and look things up and be interested in it. I think you can get a very good experience off of doing that without actually having to be, you know, having it palpable. I think you can actually still benefit from uh, being geared towards a trip, even if it's within your own home and which kind of <laughs> dovetails into my job policy world as well. Um, and then the other question on this is, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this because we, we went through this earlier, but a place that you go to in your mind to walk and relax. Um, so I've got a couple, actually. All right, okay. Um, perhaps not so much in my mind. They are physical places that I go to that I find comfort in, um, that I feel at home in. Um, so in Whitstable, there's a stretch of, I guess it's shingle, that goes out into the sea. I don't know what's created it my geography teacher would be <laughs> horrified um but it, you can walk across it like when the tide's out you can you can walk along it and um and you literally feel like you're stood between two worlds what's because it called? it's called the street i don't know i guess it's because people walk along it um so that's one place because um it's just really mind-blowing um <laughs> just seeing the sea meet right where you stood i guess um canterbury i studied there for six years um it feels like home um so sometimes i go there just to feel away from home enough that i'm getting a break but still surrounded by familiarity um i like the vibe there it's you know nice and relaxed obviously it's still buzzing with students christianity yeah you know home of christianity is it is a fantastic place for heritage, um, which obviously I love, and fantastic architecture as well. Um, so yeah, they're the places that I go to, but also um, Rossilli Bay um, on the Gower Peninsula in Wales. Um, I know that you didn't come with me, um, but it was just the biggest stretch of beach that I've ever seen in my life. I, yeah, I totally agree with you on the street, because it is such a, in Whitstable, it's such a unique stretch it, and again I, I wouldn't be able to tell you where it's formed but it does look like two parts of the sea merge because you do get it from either side didn't you yeah um and you can you can when it's when the tide's out you can walk so far up into the seaside and it's just bizarre and if you if you know anything about which the ball um most, chances are you know what the street is it's right behind beach huts and it will be a bit of a... Might be more Tankerton, actually, thinking about it. Yeah. And it's, it is totally a promenade, isn't it, for people to... Yeah, yes. ...bugger off up and down. And, and so I think, yeah, I, that's a good one. I do like that because if, I'm, if, if I've got a place that I will go to... And again, explain the reason behind this question is because a lot of times people like myself are in fairly... Oh, great. <laughs> Just as I'm about to go into something that's fairly serious, we now have the gerbil chewing its coconut, which is the most hideous noise. It's right up there with <laughs> ice scraping and blackboard nails. So thanks for that. Um, just to, It's Billy Moon that's making that noise. Um, so the point behind this question, gerbil, is that a lot of times people like myself are in fairly big states of pain and discomfort, and to escape is really necessary to try and disassociate yourself so because i'm surrounded by the same four walls quite often it's it's fairly difficult to find a a, a place to breathe so i'll will find places of familiarity 
um, that were comforting and nice and green. So we're lucky to live in Kent, which is lovely and rural. And we've got lots of greenery around us. So I will quite often think in terms of greenery and forests. But I think like you, a lot of times I will go for a beach scene. Um, so I, I like Broadstairs as well. So I think about walking the length of Broadstairs and um, simple things as well. Like as much as it's maligned, the Isle of Sheppey is near us and it's got lovely beaches. It's it's We had one night, but we walked for my dad's birthday and it was the most gorgeous night, wasn't it? And I took a, yeah. took a video from my phone because it I was I went just, paddling. Yeah, it was, it was just the perfect beach scene, wasn't it? Mm. You look so like warm. you wanted to say something at that point. I was just going to ask you if you had a preference over sandy or shingle. Yeah, it's got to be sand, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think so. As much as the as Whitstable and Tankerton is unique and cool, yeah, I'll definitely take sand. Hurts your feet. <laughs> but also, I mean, I'm not a huge lover of sand because it gets places, but it just looks nicer and it's softer. And That's the sign of a good day for me is if I come home, I've still got sandy feet. Yeah, see that. That's I think that's quite important actually, because again, it's a reminder. Yeah, absolutely. I quite often take a video on my phone of my feet paddling in the sea, so that if at any point I I need to refer back to a relaxing feeling or moment, then I can look back at that and remember what it feels like. Mm. Um, I've just remembered another place actually that I find really relaxing that um that I go to. There's Puttles Bridge in the New Forest. Um my friend Claire um, showed it to me I, I had been there as a child um, but she showed it to me a couple of years ago and I instantly knew that you'd love it um, and obviously I was able to take you back there la- last year um, but just paddling there as well and the sound of, of the stream yeah. just flowing it is just cool. unbelievable and you, um, just, you just reminded me as well of another place it's actually my personal email picture um, there's a nature reserve on the island, again, on the Isle of Sheppey. Um, and there's such a unique little spot that it's, it's like this giant lakey, pondy thing. And it's got a tree just smack bang in the middle, isn't it? Yeah. That I also go to. I think of that quite often because it's just so unique and serene. And escapism is, like I said, the important part of this is trying to get some disassociation from your personal surroundings at that time by by having memories of familiarization and comfort and that's definitely one of them as well it's just that that snapshot window of that tree in the middle of yeah i don't know how you explain it is no it... it's it's a it's Elmley nature reserve that's where it is but it's um the tree's dead though isn't it I don't, I, can't, I don't think it's ever had any leaves on it no but that that's kind of it's kind of magical because it looks like far away tree or actually, something actually that reminds me of a metaphor just up the road from us we got a we got a walk haven't we and it's a very narrow track and at the end of it is a dead tree well it's a it's, it's blown over it's come down it looks dead as anything but every year it gets blossomed just and, a small bit and i always say doesn't matter how broken you are you can still blossom it's nice there you go perfect metaphor let's move on on that airy, <laughs> <laughs> airy <fairy> stuff. <laughs> This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Appreciation. And again, this is important for me, is to really focus on what you've got um and and, and again it's i haven't done this consciously I, at no point over my life have, have i tried to turn myself into any kind of pseudo guru or anything this is just literally the coping mechanisms that i've just found at the time and appreciation has definitely been one of them and sensory the making the most of all your senses because that's one thing hopefully um you may not have all of them functioning there may be some that are worse and, and better than others but chances are we've got senses that can transport us um one of them for me is smell i'm very sensitive to smell like too sensitive to smell that's one of the kind of overriding factors of this condition and a lot of people that also suffer say that as well don't they that mm. they're so prone to being set off in migraines because of smells um, so I don't, I don't particularly like floral smells and and perfume. I mean, you can't wear perfume around me, can you? No. But there are smells that I like. So if you were as a candle maker, what would go in to your special candle? Um, so a few years ago, I did an aromatherapy course, so I know that these fragrances don't actually go together. And I must admit, I didn't really think about smells like not so obvious smells. Um, but for me, Ylang Ylang, that always makes me feel calm. Um, frankincense and patchouli, they're all um, favourites of mine. Um, actual smell, like comforting smells, I don't know. I can think of one. What's that? You love out there. Oh, jasmine. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, jasmine. I love jasmine. Um, rose, I, I, that's probably my default fragrance yeah we have a fight over rose don't we yeah you don't like rose but you didn't like lavender when we met and now you love no, it i've always liked lavender yeah anyway you just spoil what's going into one of my flavors but you've got a rose candle haven't you from english heritage that i just it's an instant migraine trigger for me yeah but you love it 
I do. I, I can't get enough of it. Paul Smith Rose, I wear that perfume quite a lot. And, and Jean-Paul Gaultier, you slight, didn't you? But again, you I can't did, wear yeah. that because it sets me off. No, um, Chanel Chance really sets you off as well because it's really top end. I'm All sorry. those really top end notes that you can't handle, um, I like. <laughs> Typical, I'm sorry. It's not, not exclusive to me. I, just, I read a tweet earlier about this that someone was... Um, even though we've got social distancing at the moment, she could still smell someone's perfume and and it set her right off. Um, so you like the more top end smells, don't you? Yeah, top end and floral. I don't like food smells. Like no. I don't I don't want to wear a body lotion that smells of vanilla or tangerine. And we've always had that in common at Christmas because we quite often have Christmas smells. And we don't like the food you understand. Can we? we call them fragrances, maybe? What about pongs? Mm. Christmas pong? Festive pong? Not, not overly Xmas comfortable pong. with that. <laughs> but we don't. We don't do the, like, the, what is it, Christmas cookie and gingerbread no. men. And we no, don't do any of that. don't like the smell of bollocks, bacon unless it's actually baking something from my tummy. Yeah. Yeah, don't set us up for, you know, food and, and, and not deliver and on it. I find that it's wax. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've eaten wax in my time. Doesn't surprise me. No. Um, so for me, um, yeah, lavender. As much as I can't do many flowers, lavender for some reason is one of the constant ones, especially if I've got a migraine. Migraine, it, lavender has to go on. And you would have thought, because I can, I can get, prime example, candy floss. Can't stand candy floss. Hate it. It's one of the worst smells and tastes that I can possibly imagine because I had a migraine when I was a kid. I threw it up into a, plastic bag coming out of Sainsbury's yeah we're, we're going there we're getting graphic it's nice <laughs> and uh, I can't handle it now but you're the same with mint chocolate I was thinking blackcurrant oh yeah both both of them really turn my stomach so you've got those associations don't need to go down the why and wherefore and that though which is yeah we, we our childhood is quite similar in that sense and I can't handle it now. So I've got the association. Anytime I hear, I smell, hear, hear candy floss. <laughs> I think it has got a unique sound. Yeah. Anytime I smell it, I just, I can't bear it because I've still got that association. And it's the same with, um, I can't, I'm not very good with garlic. Again, because I've, I've associated with being ill and I just think it's smelly anyway. Um, but lavender even though it goes on when i've got a migraine i can still like it and i don't know why that's not been ruined yet and i hope it doesn't get ruined mm. so lavender is definitely one of them i i'm it's, it's, i'm not much of a man but this is going to be one of the more manly ones is i like wd-40 i've always quite liked wd-40 and bike shop uh, going into a bike shop as a kid was just the best smell and i think it was mainly wd-40 and, and rubber <laughs> all right okay <laughs> <laughs> all right we're going into a whole different i've written this category for... rubber of tires yeah okay that's i think bike shots now I, I i kind of i associate more with i think like oily geary kind of stuff um what else um oh there's loads i've got for this but i can't think of any the, the candles that i've got at the moment i tend to be woody don't they what you mouth him you can say it petrol oh yeah of course petrol yes Yes, so when I was a kid, me and my brother used to hang our heads out the window if, if our parents were pumping petrol, which sounds euphemistic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you were the same, weren't you? You used to like it. Yeah, yeah. When I was asked at primary school what my favourite smell was, I was the only one in the class who said petrol. 
And um, my primary school teacher said, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Yeah, and then you said glue. And <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but I, two-stroke as well. Like, I used to like that, you know, what you put in, like, chainsaws and things like that. I don't know if I've ever smelt two-stroke. Um, and I used to like the smell of cutting discs because my brother used to do bangers. I used to do quite a lot of car maintenance. So I used to, like... Oh, shotgun cartridge. Yes. I love cap the guns. I love the smell of a shotgun cartridge just after it's been fired. How did I forget cap guns? Right, I need to do Because you didn't prepare. No, I, I, I genuinely didn't. I need to put a whole new cap. I used to like, like a pet shop smell sometimes. Like the smell of our gerbils mm. at the right yeah. fermented range. Like not, now. Not when they're over fermented. Just Two days after cleaning. They can be nice. So, yeah. The point I'm making on this one is that if you can indulge the senses, it really makes a difference. Again, don't don't squander your rest. Make sure you set your senses up so that you've got connections and that you can actually zone out and have familiarity and nostalgia within within those senses. This is a little bit of a transition now, but appreciation. Um, is there a book that you particularly liked or helped you? Um, yeah, it's called Somebody Should Have Told Us, I think. I can't even remember who it's by. I got it from Amazon um, on a recommendation. Um, it really helped me realise that not everyone walking past me or who meets me are thinking the same things I am. So I might go out and I think, oh, my hair looks rubbish today. It made me realise that if I'm not thinking that about other people, so I'm not thinking, oh, shit, her hair looks rubbish today, um why would they be thinking that about me? Um, and I think that really helped me. Um, I, You know, I'd say I suffered with mild mental health issues at times and that it was at a moment where I was struggling um, with myself, didn't really like myself very much um, when I read it. And afterwards, you know, it, it helped. It, you know, made me think actually... You know, I'm not thinking out about those those people out on the streets. So why would they be thinking that about me? Have they even blooming noticed me? You know, mm. um, I wouldn't be able to tell you what they were wearing. So why would they why would they notice what I'm wearing? And there's a great phrase that we both know, which is, "It's no one else's business what they think of you." Mm -hmm. And I think that, that always sticks in my head. Um, for me, the the book that I've read because I, I I have to read a lot of books, and right in front of us now, I've got about seven or eight different books that I've been sent that um that I've got to do for Stop and Search, the the other podcast that I do. And you know, all of them are great and all of them good, but um Johan Hari's uh Lost Connections was, was really quite important to me because it, it goes into a lot and thankfully I'm gonna be speaking to Johan about that. Um but at the moment I think the one that sticks in my head has got to be Robin Ince's book. Uh, I'm a joke and so are you because it's it goes into that kind of you know that kind of existential crisis that we may all have and it, I just think he's got a really wonderful way of putting things and I, I recommended it on um, when I did Tim Lovejoy's podcast that was the book that I recommended um, so I recommend people go out and buy that now comfort food or favorite takeaway uh, pizza just pizza yeah that's just my right. favorite food okay. just just pizza with pineapple. No, right, you're in the pineapple. I, I can yeah. do pineapple on pizza. Pineapple with pepper. Yeah, see, that's tuna. why that's why I like pineapple on pizza because I think it's one of the rare occasions you get to put pepper on it. And mm. pineapple and pepper works. I don't know what mine would be on this. I might have to actually leave that blank because 
I mean, Ben's cookies are definitely up there at the moment. Um, I think it probably would be pizza for me as well, although I don't eat that much, do I? No, not yeah. enough. We should get pizza more often. Yeah, well, not at the moment. No. I might try. And, well, I, I was going to try and make one from absolute scratch the other day, but we realised that we didn't have the right flour. No. Might be able to try that now. Comedian that instantly makes you smile. And again, this is important for me on, on the appreciation theme because comedy has massively served a purpose for me because you can still laugh in the comfort of your own home. Um, so you, a couple of years ago, you took me to see Russell Brand. Um, we've already mentioned Ponderland. Um, I think his observational comedy is brilliant. Um, but what I like is that he also brings like these subtitles of his crazy mind into it as well. Sometimes it's things that are going on in my head too. So that's, <laughs> that's always good. Um, other people, um, for example, um, Sarah Millican, she's usually saying what I'm thinking. Yeah, you, Although, you, you know, are similar to Sarah Millican. Yeah, she's, um, she, she goes to places that I could never voice um <laughs> quite far, <laughs> again we're all thinking it not all of us are brave enough to say it on a stage um so yeah those two i guess uh, more because they're they're kind of making what's happening in my head funny we've we've managed to get out a little bit more and do some live comedy recently haven't we yeah yeah which has been really cool to the point where we even got called up on stage fairly recently and we had to do a skit, yeah, didn't we? We did, yeah. Which, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Um, I, I've, again, I could list lots in this category. One of the ones that definitely sticks out is Dimitri Martin because I think his his wavelength is just so on mine and quirky. Um, and Noel Fielding always... Oh, I forgot him. Yeah, you love him. I do love He's him. He's right under Russell Brown for you. yeah. Um, and, and uh, yeah, Russell Brand has, has definitely made me laugh a lot because, I mean, prime example, he does, he says stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm glad someone else thinks that because he said when nothing else is going on in his mind, when it's completely empty, the thing that's going on is I'll never, um, what, what's, what is I'd it? I'd rather have a bowl of cocoa pot. And that's me. I have that. I have, <laughs> I get that. I have stupid things that come in the head and won't get out. And that's one of them. And I think that's you know, it's, it's probably a whole other category to this of like cerebral programming or something. So he's up there. But and again, there's so many. I like Robin Ince. You know, I'm not going to keep banging on about Robin because he's just lovely. He's lovely though. Yeah. Um, I think I like sincerity. I like people like um, Frankie Boyle and that. But I wouldn't necessarily. Again, it, it can be quite different. Yeah, you, know, you have to, it, it, it can be, there can be a cutting edge to that. Mm. So for comfort comedy. Someone a little bit kind of lighter and sillier for me. Yeah, someone who's real. Someone you could potentially be in the pub with, yeah. ironically, yeah, when we I, were with Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, uh, I've always loved Eddie Izzard because the storytelling that he can put in it. Um, and I and I like lovely comedy shows. Like one of my favourites is Argumental with, with Marcus Brickstock and Rufus Hound, which I've had the pleasure of working with both of them um, now. Um, and I just love, I love that banter <laughs> as much as I don't want to say the B word. Yeah. Yeah, and also um, victimless comedy. Yeah, 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 and I and I do love satire. So I love Chris Morris and and uh, Charlie Brooker and things like that. And but I don't always want that when I'm relaxing because because I'll operate no, it in makes heavy me fields. angry still. Yeah, because there's there's important themes that get addressed that you still then. Yeah, not not angry about. with the comedian, just angry with some of the stuff they're talking about. It reminds me that it's happening and get angry. 
So again, for me, comedy is a massive part of holistic therapy, if if you like. A song that gets you pumped. Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. It's a good one. It, every time. It's, it's just in the lyrics. It, yeah. <laughs> and a song that relaxes you? Um, I can't remember if we ever found out who sings it. But air that I breathe, oh, just the opening bars. Is the Hollies, isn't it? Is it the Hollies? Um, you keep talking. Yeah, they. It just, just those opening bars. It just. I've never, <laughs> I've never really enjoyed um, mind-altering substances. Um, <laughs> I've never partaken in them, but I imagine that's the kind of song that I'd be like, wow. Yeah, I. I don't, I've got quite a few, yeah, it is the Hollies. I've got quite a few that I could put for this because being a musician or a former musician, um, I've, there's a lot of pumped songs. I like, like Prime Example, it's, it's off the top of my head, but uh, Word Up by Gun always used to get me going when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to perform that one in the band. It was always a great one to perform. Um, but also Metal Inglis, um, uh, Alter Bridge, I, I like. Um, uh, what else? Uh, mine changes. Uh, plus forty four. Heart stops beating. Yeah. Foo Fighters. Best of you. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, well, most Foo Fighters, that. to be fair. And 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 mountains and the captain and by Biffy Clyro. So yeah, probably anything Biffy Clyro, anything Foo Fighters for me will probably get me pumped, especially um, those ones I just mentioned. Song that relaxes. Again, it's changeable. Um, the opening lines to I won't back down by. Tom Petty, the opening bars to that just are like, oh, nice. But we've mentioned it already, but um, the theme tune to Detectorist, which is, I'm going to have to look this up, but I can't believe I've forgotten. Um, Flynn, where is it? Oh, God, I can't believe I've forgotten what it is. Well, it is an edit that needs to be made. Another um, relaxing song I find is, um, I don't know, if have you heard Johnny Cash's version of You Are My Sunshine? Yes, yes. So that that relaxes me. My nan used to or had she sang it to me when I was little. Um, so that relaxes me, and also um, I can see clearly. It's one of her favourite songs. So um, I find I suppose that's more comforting than relaxing. I'm usually in a relaxed state when I listen to them. Um, so yeah, they're they're both up there. Um, but there's loads of songs that get me pumped. Titanium by David Guetta. Mm. That's, you know, that's made for it really, isn't it? Um, but they're also like songs that I enjoy running to. Those kind of songs. Yeah, I think that could be quite important is what, what to exercise to. Yeah, I don't do it often. But <laughs> Johnny Flynn, that's it. I'm so sorry I forgot that. Um, it's just such a lovely tune. It, it's just it, because I associate with the with the programme detectorists, but it's just so nice and mellow, and and the words as well, the lyrics I think are brilliant. Um, so for me, again, that's got to be up there with the relaxing. Right, the next question is a documentary that's meant something to you, which you possibly haven't. What well, actually? I don't know. Have you got I one? don't. I don't watch many documentaries. Quite a few history documentaries, I suppose, but none that really stick out. Um, obviously. The Culture High, mm, um, yeah. which you you were in and, and involved in, and produce, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's I think quite a cool 
moment in time in it for us yeah for me um obviously i listen to a lot of, of the things that you say about drug policy oh you do <laughs> yeah apparently i do a great impression of it um but <laughs> um i think for me that documentary really hit home in all the different ways that drug policy affects people people might go oh you know it's nothing to do with me i don't i don't take drugs i don't know anyone who takes drugs so therefore why why does it matter if you watch that documentary that explains why it matters um so i suppose that but also i've got great memories of of you you recording it and um the screening at leicester square yeah, the premiere was a good night wasn't it? big red yeah. carpet yeah. i got to shout at sam brunson <laughs> you did you did indeed yeah i got to whilst filming that i got put to sleep by richard brunson in his house which is just which i wrote about which is just bizarre so yeah i I, I can't it's related to that but the the first because that film was the sequel to the union and it was the union that changed the last 10 years of my life so for me it's got to be the union i i, I watch a lot of documentaries because i think it is a good way to learn and have your horizons broaden like i just recently watched the um supersize me sequel um which is about the chicken industry and i'm always watching things by michael moore which I know some people can either love or hate Michael Moore, but I personally have always found him really, really interesting and because it's about how you present information, and sometimes you do have to go a bit entertainment-like in that, and some people can be sometimes snobbish towards that, and obviously you get a lot of woo within documentaries at times as well, and you have to really check your sources, but yeah, a lot of Michael Moore stuff, and and definitely the Union was the one that changed my entire life, really. Um, so the point of that whole thing which was appreciation is again it's about setting yourself up documentaries can can certainly you can appreciate them because you can learn you can obviously music is you've definitely got to appreciate that because it's another sense that you can be um taken away to another place with it's comfort food against a sense that you can be completely indulged in so that that's why i've formulated those questions is because it's about even though your surroundings may not allow you to get out or you may not have the position or luxury to be able to actually travel down the road there's still ways you can indulge yourself and that's important to me is to have appreciation instead of going i wish i had it's easier to for me to say i'm pleased i've got Right now, we're going to do some very quick fires because we're going to wrap this up. Oh, oh go on. No, you sound like you got to say something. No, no, um, this is the pressure. All right. Well, don't worry. We're not going to put like a spotlight on you. So isn't, he wants to be a millionaire, isn't it? You know, it's just... Okay. No one's you said listen. quick fire. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to listen. Right. Favourite colour. See, if you've got one... I've made a spinner mistake on my list. That's gone out to people. Bugger. I've put... The actual question I've got is favourite colour. What colour would you metally bathe in for healing purposes? That should be mentally bathing. So if you was to sit there and oh sorry, I just hit my mic. If you was to sit there and try and have a healing colour around you, what would it be? Um, so I consider mine to be blue, but I've been told my aura is yellow, and I've always been told that I suit the colour yellow when I wear yellow. Um, and also it represents my solar plexus and that's where I need to do my most most of my work really um, if I am feeling particularly self-conscious or a bit rubbish about myself. Um, so I tend to bathe in yellow. For me it's purple. Again, not exactly a manly answer, but I've always just liked purple, like amethyst. 
that that kind of deep purpley colour. And the reason that I formulated that question is because quite often I have to sit there in, in what is fundamentally almost a meditative state and picturing colours I've always found and I, I've never been taught this, but it helps to instead of focusing on the pain, which would be quite easy to do, bathing yourself in something that you find healing, I I've always found quite useful and helpful. Taste of naughty. What do you like but wish you didn't? I've I really struggled with this one. Um, but you're always telling me off for once, just once, having tried a deep fried Mars bar. That's pretty you filthy. was gigging in Dover. It was there. It was a thing. I thought I'd try it, and you've never let me live it down. I can. It's got to be what fourteen years since I did it, and you still talk about it now. I'm not saying that I still enjoy it. That's dirty. It wasn't too bad, I won't lie. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it's obvious what mine's got to be at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> milky bar. Right in front of us is a stash of milky bar, which one my amazing friend Nigel sent me, um, because I, I put on Facebook that I'm in dangerous realms of running out of it, and he, he gifted me an entire box of milky bar, <laughs> which is just amazing. So yeah, it's got to be that. I mean, there's there's loads of different things that I could put on there, but at the moment, I, I, I'm enjoying it. But part of me is thinking, oh, you really need to start stemming this. <laughs> if you was to have a spirit animal, what would it be? Squirrel. Uh, why? Oh, there's no reason. Just squirrel. <laughs> right. Okay. You don't need to. Mine's got to be donkey. I love donkeys. They're, it's it's almost going to be almost egotistical, but they're hard working and understated, which yeah, I'd like to think that. I wish I had a better reason for squirrel now. I just love donkeys and they're so sweet. They like storing nuts. Well, you are quite a squirreler. If you look yeah. around you, you've got loads of stuff. Yeah, and they're cute. They're like giant gerbils. Yeah, that's what they're called. That is their Latin name. Um, Favourite, fairly local visit attraction? Uh, Dover Castle. I feel at home there. It's like the epitome of... Um, the evolution of defence for me. Like if if there was a way of defending a building, you'll find it at Dover. Right from like the medieval defence, um, right the way through to like cannon, and then later for the Second World War. Um, yeah, I just I just love it there. It's a really cool sign. It's got a Roman lighthouse as well. Yeah, it? it has got a Roman. Yeah, Pharos. I I've only just come up with this answer. Um, I think it's going to have to be the Imperial War Museum because I've just I've always I visited the first time. That's relaxing. But I know I've <laughs> comforting. You, you'll be noticing that there is a theme going on with the way that I like the war. I do, I do find the war a really fascinating time of life, and I've I first visited when I did a school project when I did actually go to school because you know you can count on one hand how many days I did. And I just found it fascinating. I, I really want to take my dad there. And I've been since as an adult. I've taken you, haven't I? And I just think it's a really cool place. Mental screensaver. So if you've got somewhere that if you were to sit there and relax, this would be the place you go to. Or a silly bay. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's the biggest beach I've ever seen. There was hardly anyone on it. Um, and right next door is this landmass called The Worm. This is going to sound oh. crazy. Um and you can walk out twice a day the tide's low enough that you can actually walk out to it and it, yeah it's just it was really it was really cool because all the time you're looking at where you're placing your feet to walk out to the worm 
um, you're not thinking about anything else because you're literally having to hop about on these rocks. Um, so you do that in the morning and then go and chill on Rosilly Bay afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, either of those, really. I think for me it would have to be, like, if I'm to actually think of a screensaver, which is quite often what I do, I put the put YouTube on and have something, then it would be probably oceany. So it's fish under the ocean. I like I like sea turtles and dolphins at the moment. Yeah, you do. Tell your stupidest joke. Okay, so I had to Google this because I heard it on um, an old version uh, or an old episode of Bargain Hunt, which had um, Justin Hawkins and Frankie Poulaine from um, The Darkness on. And this is Justin. I don't know if it's Justin's joke, but it's certainly where I heard it. Um, what do you call an aardvark that's just lost a fight? I don't know. A vark. Very good. <laughs> Very good. It cracked me up. Apparently so. Mm. Even though you know the answer's coming. <laughs> Mine doesn't really translate on a podcast because it needs some visuals. So if, yeah. you, if you've got like a tape measure, which is normally the best thing to do, yeah. make it look like a little bit like a walkie-talkie by putting the, the tape measure out a little bit and then go, how do you get 10,000 rabbits on here? Participate. I don't know. How do you get 10,000 rabbits on a tape measure? Call in all rabbits. Call in all rabbits. Yeah, that makes me laugh every time, but you're right, that doesn't work on a podcast. <laughs> it really doesn't, no. Right, revelation is something you do in your own head or when you're alone. Okay, so I can't have pink and red next to each other. It's, I think it might actually be a phobia. I've got to look it up, but um, it makes me feel physically sick. So, um, so, for example, I can't wear socks that are pink and red if I've got pink pants on i can't wear red socks um the cutlery as you know we've got we've we've got plastic it's not plastic cutlery it's real cutlery but it's got plastic handles yeah, we're not allowed shop. <laughs> and there's blue green pink and red i cannot have the pink and the red i can't even use a red spoon in one of our bowls that might have pink on so um i probably do that more than you realize right for me, I, I I hate Count Von Count from Sesame Street because pretty much anything I do, I have to count and it really annoys me. So if I'm washing up, I'll count the strokes of the brush. And that I, is a thing. I've read that somewhere. Yeah, it's bloody Count Von Count's fault. <laughs> but the other one is that... I, I, actually, it's just come to me, but I like pipes as well. So I might, <laughs> I'll sit there at night with, a, with nothing in a pipe but just mimicking pipes. Which only you, I think, know about. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but also, I make up the most stupid, certifiable songs in my head to the point of really shouldn't admit this because they are absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. So, moving swiftly on, last question Starstruck Crush. If you was to meet anybody, past or present, what would it be? Um, I'd, I've had to divide this. Surpassed, it'd be Freddie Mercury or Mark Bolan. I can't decide which. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'm just fascinated with both of them. I just want to know what it was like to be them. Um, but present, it'd have to be Justin Hawkins. I'm a little bit obsessed at the moment. He has become a bit of an obsession. Yeah. Again, fascinating man. And I'm I'm going to be really boring. I can't answer this one. I really don't know. I've been really lucky really? to. Yeah, I've I've met loads of really interesting people, really famous people. And I mean, 
Dave Grohl's got to be up there, definitely. Um, there's, there's a theme here. I think some certain wrestlers as well. Like I'd probably, yeah. I'd probably get quite giddy over Bret Hart. I'd probably get quite giddy over The Rock. Um, but I, I would really struggle to answer that one. I don't really wrote that question. Stupid. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I wrote another one about um, what what part of um, history would you most like to be in? But I must have missed that. But yes, you missed a whole chunk of questions. I don't know. Mm. Or if if you was to live in a part of history, what would it be? Um, well, working in heritage, everyone would expect me to say, you know, medieval, Tudor, something like that. But actually, to actually live in those times would have been horrendous, especially as I'm a woman. Um, so for me, it's got to be the 70s. Fantastic music, fantastic clothes. Um, I just love the fact it looks so romantic. My mum and dad got together in the 70s, so I've got this real romantic idea of the 70s. Uh, yeah, I don't know what mine... I, I've always had a bit of a liking for the Victorian period, but I wouldn't want to live there. No, you and, wouldn't. And strangely, again, I've liked the war, World War Two, but I wouldn't want to live there. But I've... And again, I probably shouldn't admit this in, in public, but I've always liked the World War Two underwear. I've always found that quite... Probably where we should end this. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I'll do this quick fire as well. I've structured this better for other guests, but it's only me and you, so it doesn't count. Okay. Um, so this wouldn't be quick fire ordinarily, but it will be now. But favourite childhood toy? Apparently, big yellow teapot. And it resides right over my left shoulder right now. Yeah, it's on the dresser. It's Every time I do a conference call, um, it's, most people can see that, and I have to explain mm. it. Uh, favourite childhood TV programme? I think probably Fraggle Rock or anything with a puppet in. I love puppets. <laughs> you do love puppets, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I've got so many for that one. My favourite childhood toy is probably my Fisher-Price magic set. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Favourite childhood TV programme? So, so many. Transformers, um, yeah, Fraggle Rock, um, Chock-A-Block. Ah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. We, we met over Chock-A-Block. Um, and favourite game, which could be board game, pub game, card game, computer game, whatever you like. I haven't gone for any of those. It's more... Um, I used to really enjoy playing with my sister in the garden and it was all about survival. So okay. we'd, like, lost everything and I had to protect her and we had to find food, we had to find this shelter. This is reminiscent to yeah. the current situation. Yeah. Did you get any training in it? Yeah, yeah, I Oh, did. wow. All right, so we can, when, when it all kicks off, we can stick you out Yeah, she's, she's looking after me more than I'm looking after her nowadays. But, yeah, right. she's... Uh, so we got actually like in, in the yeah. Mitchell zombie land, you're out there hunting Twinkies. Yeah, along with my Barbies. Nice. Um, uh, I don't know because I, I did used to love a board game. Like I used to love Lost mm. Valley Dinosaurs, Game of Life, Game of Knowledge. I did like Go For Broke as well. I spoke to one of my Stop and Search um, friends called Noelle. Um, she is playing um, Virtual Game of Life. And I said, have you ever played Go For Broke? She'd never heard of it. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't until well, I met you. Really? Yeah, I didn't do board games. Me and Dad used to play Connect Four or Mastermind. Mastermind. Bit of strategy there. I love battleships, but I can never find anyone to play it with me. Yeah, I found that boring. Um, yeah, but I aced coordinates in geography. Well, there you go. So you, you totally are up for the survival game, aren't you? <laughs> should be in the army. Yeah, you should be out there literally uh, protecting us as... as as we speak um, I did also like a few Mega Drive games Toe Jam and L mm -hmm. um, Streets of Rage 2 don't know what you're talking about anyway the point of that one that will be um, hopefully fleshed out a little bit better in future episodes nostalgia nostalgia is really important to me remembering periods of your life where things were nice things were calm 
looking back, as much as you do need to keep focused and look forward, looking back can be really nice, I think. Especially if you can think of some really healthy... Because not everyone's going to have good childhoods. Not everyone's going to have good memories of looking back and they are going to want to keep pointing forward. But hopefully there will be snatched moments, even if they're incidental, that you can draw comfort from. And that's why nostalgia is important to me. So quite often if I'm having a troublesome night upstairs with pain or or discomfort I will focus on on that that very thing a, a tv program and then start fleshing it out from there what was I doing what was a what period of life was it what did I then go on to do after that that day and things like that and it's it's another point of escapism that I found really useful and on that note I think we're done we are what would you say to anybody because you've been involved and I don't want to use the mindfulness word again but you know for want of a better word is there any last minute advice that you give to someone that, that any coping mechanisms that you personally found along the way I was really surprised um you've always told me to sort my breathing out which you know I know that I breathe in my chest rather than deeper um when someone actually taught me how to breathe I was really surprised at what a difference it made. Also, um, I went to a yoga session and some of the moves that we were asked to do were painful. And he taught us to send our breath to that pain. And that, again, really shocked me at how how effective that is. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Is that I quite often get strange looks from people and say, don't forget to breathe. And they go, what are you talking about? And you'd be surprised how you can lose track of your breathing so quickly. You do it from the top of your lungs. And because I've had karate training, I've always been really good from an early age of breathing. And it's a good way of keeping yourself calm, keeping yourself centred, keeping yourself relaxed. And just generally being on top of your own holistic health, I find that breathing is important. Dropping your shoulders, keeping your shoulders back. Yeah, you can fix a lot of things, I think, with just sorting your breathing out. And that is So I Start a Revolution from My Bed. It's basically a load of nonsense jargon about mindfulness, but it's I find these little coping mechanisms and little questions to myself really useful, and it's how, for the last 30 years, I think I've managed to keep myself sane. I don't know if you'd agree that I am. Probably saner than you should be. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Take it as a compliment. Right. And on that note, Jason Reed signing off saner than he should be. And you are Sarah Balsam. Thank you very much. And she is my long suffering other half now. Thank you for having me. <laughs> First time that we've publicly ever done anything. <laughs> so to speak. Because <laughs> we're not into dogging or anything. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.